I'm sitting in the downtown office of Dykema Gossett with Arcanex Sessions' new resident attorney, Brian Newman. Brian, how are you doing? Doing great. Paul, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us. So could you tell us a little bit about your background as a lawyer? Yeah, I've been practicing now about uh, 15 years. My specialty is actually trying cases in front of judges and uh, juries all over the country. I represent a pretty wide variety of clients, uh, large banks, mortgage companies, educational institutions like UCLA and USC, also uh, quite a bit of intellectual property work, copyrights, trademarks, patents, uh, trade secrets. And what I do is probably about 70% litigation trial work, 30% uh, transactional work, counseling, uh, giving employment advice, and also just uh, making sure people are uh, staying above board. Awesome. Well, as you may know, our website is filled with people posing legal questions and many architects playing lawyer and answering those questions. Historically, those answers haven't always been accurate, according to the limited knowledge of the law that I have. So your contribution here is uh, very valuable. So the first question that we've got that we'll be asking you today is about unpaid work. Is unpaid work ever legal? And if so, what are the circumstances that would make it legal? It's a great question, Paul. And I see this all the time with, with my clients. The, the answer, the short answer is it can be legal, but you have to be very, very careful. This is really a legal minefield. It's one of these areas, particularly here in California, where you may think you're doing it right. Uh, and if you're not doing it right, you can end up uh, paying a whole lot of money, either in a lawsuit or from a government agency who sues you based on your failure to, uh, to comply with the law. So uh, to get into the nuts and bolts here, unpaid labor. If you want to have an unpaid intern, you can have that under California and under federal law. But to do that, the intern must actually be affiliated with an educational institution, an accredited institution. So it can't just be, you know, uh, some made up school or some made up uh, organization. It has to be actually like a UCLA or a SciArc or a FIDM in the design world, uh, something that's actually, you know, a real educational uh, institution and the intern actually needs to be getting credit for it. So the intern needs to be receiving you know, either formal school credit or at least enrolled in a program uh, that's being supervised by someone who's not uh, actually a member of the, the employer or a member of the, the company where the, uh, the individual is interning. So there has to be supervision, there has to be credit. The person cannot displace one of the regular employees at the employer. So it can't be a situation where the employer had an employee. Uh, and that person was let go to make way for an unpaid intern. It really has to be something where there's a program set up, say UCLA, for example, and uh, through that program, an uh, individual comes to work at your company, is getting credit, and is being supervised, not just by you, but also by uh, someone at the institution. So th th those are sort of the nuts and bolts of it. Uh, the main thing, again, is uh, that it's actually a real institution, that the person's getting credit, and an employee is not being displaced. And it has to have, another point, has to have... Uh, as its underlying purpose, it has to have some sort of educational purpose. So if, if the intern is just coming in, for example, in uh, stacking boxes, or is just coming in washing windows or sweeping the floor, uh, it's probably not going to qualify as an educational purpose unless uh, you know the program or the course of study that person is involved in involves you know washing windows or stacking boxes. If, if they're enrolled in a program for something related, for example, to architecture, and they're coming in and they're just doing purely you know, uh, manual labor, it's probably something where you're going to run into a red flag if uh, somebody takes a look at it. So is there a limit to the number of unpaid interns that a company can have? No, no limit. A company can have as many uh, 
as, as they can find and as they can be supported under the law if they can find uh, individuals who are actually enrolled in a course of study. And what would happen to, um, to an employer if the unpaid position did not fall under the, the laws defining what an unpaid internship is? Well, it's a great question. There, there's a couple of ways that, that the employer can get into trouble. Uh, the first is the actual intern or the person who thought you, you had as your intern can actually turn around and, and sue you. And we've seen this happen more than once uh, where someone the employer thinks is an intern uh, turns around and files either an administrative complaint or an actual lawsuit, uh, essentially for violation of uh, the state's minimum wage laws. So under, under California, the minimum wage here is $9 an hour. Other states have may have different minimum wages. The federal minimum wage, I believe, is $7.25 or $7.50 right now. So the claim would essentially be, uh, you called me an intern, but I was actually an employee, and you violated the state minimum wage law by not paying me the $9 an hour plus overtime plus other potential salary that I was entitled to by calling me an intern, improperly calling me an intern. So we've seen those cases. Those tend to be uh, not good cases for the employer, particularly if it's a situation where the intern can say, hey, you said this was you know, an intern program just to, just to avoid paying me. In that case, the employer can actually be liable not just for the person's salary, but also for penalties, uh, attorney's fees, potentially what they call treble damages, treble meaning three times. So let's say the employee worked 100 hours during the course of a summer, for example, 100 hours, $9 an hour would be $900 times three, $2,700 plus penalties, plus attorney's fees. So it can get very expensive very fast. Uh, the, the worst case scenario, and we have seen this occasionally, is the employee could actually file, or the intern, the person you thought was an intern, could file what's called a class action lawsuit, where they're representing not only themselves, but a class of other people. So this, this would probably not happen unless it was a rather large company. We have seen it. Uh, where the intern comes in and says, okay, not only was I improperly characterized as an intern, but there were 25 other people who were improperly characterized as an intern. And then the, the damages just multiply very, very quickly. Suddenly you have, you know, if there's a class of people, 25, 50, 100 people who are misclassified, now you can have potentially into the tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars, not to mention the bad publicity. So that's the first way this can come up, as if the, if the individual sues you. Now, interestingly, and a lot of people may not realize this, you may say, well, this intern would never sue me. This person likes me, we have a great relationship, and that may be true, but there's a second way you can get into trouble, and that's if a state agency, for example, uh, in California, we have the Department of Labor Standards Enforcement, uh, the DLSE, can actually bring an administrative action against you. So if the DLSE gets wind of this, they can actually bring an action against you in the same way that an individual plaintiff could, and they can sue for the same thing. They can sue for unpaid wages, penalties, overtime, all those things. So the question might come up, how, how would the DLSE even find out about this? We've seen it happen. For example, if, if a company has uh, an employee, that employee is laid off and subsequently replaced with an intern or someone who the employer thinks is an intern, the disgruntled laid off employee will actually report them to the DLSE and say, hey, you know, I lost my job and so-and-so company has now replaced me with someone who they're calling an intern but isn't an intern because they're not even a student. So the DLSE gets tipped off to this, depending on how busy they are, or depending on which individual you may contact there. If they have some time on their hands, uh, they may open up a complaint. And if it's a situation where they find out during the first phone call with you or during the first letter that this so-called intern is not even a student, you're going to be toast. You're going to have to pay some money. So what advice would you give to a disgruntled employee that feels that he's being taken advantage of in an unpaid position? What, what would... What, what would you advise to be the first step? Well, from the employee's point of view, 
from from the employee's point of view, uh, if you're not if you're not an intern, in other words, if you're not receiving school credit, or even if you are receiving school credit, but the work that you're doing is not really in the uh, in the spirit of what an intern is supposed to be doing, which is primarily educational, I think it's uh, a couple things are appropriate. You could talk to your employer and say, "Hey, you brought me on here as as an intern. I'm really." Not an intern because I'm not getting credit for this. And so therefore, I need to be paid, you know, at least the minimum wage of $9 an hour here in California. Or, you know, if the person otherwise likes the job and is comfortable not making money, they could at least say, you know, the type of work I'm doing here at this company is not consistent with uh, my course of study. So really, you know, essentially I'm being taken advantage of that this is not uh, an educational job. This is really just a manual labor job. Now, to put this in context, people all the time you know, take unpaid jobs, sort of paying your dues, and are going to be afraid to complain or maybe not want to complain because they're hoping that this is going to lead to a full-time job. So I think as a, as a practical matter, most people probably are not going to complain because of fear that the employer is going to say, okay, you know, if you don't like it here, you're welcome to leave. But certainly if you're not getting credit or if you're not doing something that's primarily educational, you certainly would have a, a basis to complain. Uh, and then uh, finally, in addition to a lack of income. Are there any other disadvantages or lack of benefits or security that an unpaid position would put the employee? In? Yeah. I mean, as a, as a, a un, uh, unpaid intern, I mean, they're really not uh, entitled to any benefits per se. So it's really, and also, you know, you're still considered at will. You're not an employee, so you're not an at will employee, but you're still at will. So the employer can terminate you at any time. Uh, the employer does not have to pay you for any sick days or any vacation days. I mean, really, I mean, it's really considered the law considers you a student. So in the same way that a student would not be entitled to compensation for going to class, an intern is not entitled to compensation or benefits for going to his internship job. Excellent. Thank you so much for, for this advice. Paul, it's great to be here. We're looking forward to the next episode with you. All right, me too.